I found it odd in our Corinthians reading that Paul said that whenever we have communion, we are proclaiming Jesus' death. I thought it was about life and resurrection, not death. And it is about life and resurrection. But he says that we're also we're proclaiming Jesus' death in having communion, which is odd because death absolutely stinks. Um, I've said before that death is this entry into resurrection and the new life of God, and it is, but death stinks. It's awful. I'm not a fan. We pretty much hate it. So we're remembering something we hate in communion. But that's because Jesus is also with us in our pain death. Jesus is with us in our life. Jesus is with us in resurrection. Jesus is with us in death. He didn't just skip over and say, Oh, yay! Not resurrected. No. He suffered death too, just like we do. And is with us in communion, in death, as well as life. And in the thousands of little deaths that we face all in, every day throughout our lives, disappointments, failures, whatever it is, all of the little deaths that we face, Jesus is there with us too. And he's with us in communion. And how does that work? I don't have a clue. I have no idea how Jesus is present in communion with us. Um, I don't think we're supposed to know. Uh, We've done a very silly thing in the church of coming up with all of these theories about how exactly it works, and we've got these pretentious words, transubstantiation, consubstantiation, real presence, and silly stupidness that we've come up with to try to define a mystery. And then we've fractured the church and said, well, y'all understand the mystery differently than we do, so we don't get to share the mystery with y'all anymore. That's not what Jesus intended in saying, have this meal and remember that I am with you when you have this meal. He didn't say split up over how you understand it. He didn't even explain it enough that we could. He just said, I'm with you. And so we know he is. Kids get that. Kids get that Jesus is with us in communion. I've seen They'll come up here literally bouncing on their way to communion. And it's wonderful. And I love it. And if you've ever seen a child bouncing on the way to communion, don't you dare stop them. Let them bounce. Because all they know is they're coming up to meet Jesus. They don't know or care how it works. They're just joyfully bouncing up on the way to communion. So if it's your kid or your grandkid or some other kid whom you don't know... Don't you dare stop them from bouncing as they come up for communion. And even bouncers. We don't know how it works and we don't need to. It's a mystery. We just know that we encounter Jesus there. What's not a mystery was Jesus' command, his final command to his disciples. Love one another as I love you and go serve other people. There's no mystery. That's how they'll know that you are my disciples, Jesus said. Not because you understand that it's a particular way of understanding. No, he said that you love one another and serve one another. Go and serve and love. And then he washed their feet. Which I don't know if feet were different back then. And like, didn't speak. Maybe not because they were sandals as opposed to wrapped in leather and encased for sweat to just stay all day. I don't know. But 
intimate. I mean, you don't give a foot massage to someone unless you know them and love them really, really well. Or you're going to have some explaining to do. That's an intimate act, washing someone's feet. And it's weird and uncomfortable and possibly smelly. And I think that's why Jesus had his disciples do it. Because serving other people is awkward and uncomfortable and intimate. If you're to go to someone's house and serve them and help them out in some way, that's an intimate act. And it might also be smelly. This foot washing thing that Jesus had his disciples do, symbolic of how we would then go and live and do in the rest of our lives. We, uh, last year we got a bunch of books to give to the first graders over at Tinney Holmes Elementary so that kids who had just learned to read would have a book to be able to read over the summer and not come back second grade and not know how to read. So we're going to do that again this year. And we're going to collect books for the first graders at Tinney Holmes again. Uh, we'll start that, like, not this Sunday, but the Sunday after Easter. This Sunday's going to be a little bit much. But we're going to start that. But we also have two other elementary schools. And I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do something to help serve them. But we got nurses and librarians and teachers in our other two elementary schools as well. And we're going to do something to help serve them too. Say, what do you need? You need that crank. That's what we're going to do. We used to have a uh, fajita dinner. We were known for it. Having a fajita dinner that we used to raise money for Honduras medical mission trips, right? Let's have it again. But let's have this to raise money for whatever we're going to be doing that the elementary schools tell us that they need. Right now we just need someone to spearhead that. The fajita dinner. If you want to, throw, throw, throw your shoe at me. Uh, you're about to take it off anyway. Um, let me know. But we're going to go and serve and love. Because that's how we are. That's who we are as Jesus decides. That's who we are as the church. Not a bunch of quibbling crybabies who get upset because you do church differently than I do. Who cares? Jesus certainly does. Or else he would explain exactly how we are to do it. He doesn't care how we do church. He doesn't care how we worship. He didn't, after the Last Supper, he didn't say, and by the way, I want y'all, I'm about to die, and I want to make sure that y'all Worship me appropriately once I'm gone. No. Jesus said, go and serve and love once I'm gone. Telling his disciples, I'm about to die, and here's what I want you to do once I'm gone. Go and serve and love. That is who we are, and that is what we do. We go and we serve.